0: You are now listening to The Junk and Jam Hour online radio broadcast with your on-air host, Christopher Albert. He is going to amaze you, surprise you, or sadly underwhelm you. That's for you to decide. In the meantime, stay tuned. It's The Junk and Jam Hour with Christopher Albert as heard only on Radio Free Brooklyn. Which means it's Monday. And some of you are still white girl wasted. I guess you can be black girl wasted too. But that sounds racist. So we'll just say white girl wasted. Yeah. White girl wasted. Right here
1: on The Junk and Jam Hour. Happy Monday everyone. You are listening. To the Junkie Jam Hour, right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Radio Free Brooklyn is a nonprofit community organization and freeform internet radio station streaming original content by New York City artists and broadcasters and journalists and DJs 24 hours a day, seven days a week uh, here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Hosts and DJs, of course, retain total artistic freedom in the creation of their shows with the ultimate goal of empowering and amplifying the otherwise unheard voices within our communities. Uh, Now, the Junker Jam Hour exists to highlight and share the impressive works and important ventures of the many talented underground and groundbreaking artists, uh, you name it. Entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, comedians, actors, designers. Um, I look forward to celebrating their amazing and influential contributions to society and, of course, culture. I have a very special guest um, joining us on the phone. He is an American singer, songwriter, a pianist. And vocalist now based in Woodstock, New York, uh, who began developing his unique musical style in the crowded apartments and crumbling theaters of New York City's East Village some years ago. He is a well versed and seasoned musician. Uh, His spellbinding music goes well beyond the confines of any one particular genre and simply explores the truth of his own life. He's a natural composer, and his empathic songs instinctively delve into the themes of androgyny, male identity, and spirituality. Uh, The independent music publication, Jammerzine, likened his music to chamber pop, indie, and a quasi-baroque style all bundled within the mind of a genius. His latest LP, How a Stranger is Made, comes off the heels of the success of his last album entitled Wholesome, which sold out rather quickly and is now um, only available digitally. Uh, Now living upstate in the mountains of the Hudson Valley, he's become renowned for not just his musical compositions, but also for his holistic healing work, as well as, um, excuse me, in fact, his piano-driven songs uh, intimately express his healing journey through shamanism, sexuality, sexuality, trauma, and joy. He has been described as a virtuoso on the keys with a powerful, colorful voice and three-octave range. Joining us on the phone, let's welcome, all the way from Woodstock, New York, musician, pianist, vocalist producer, and Moonman, man, Lewis Mojica. Hello, Lewis. Hey. How are you?
2: <laughs> I love that I'm, I'm a moon man. It's so
1: nice. um, amazing. <laughs> well, are you not? <laughs> I am,
2: absolutely, but no one's been smart enough to call me one yet.
1: Oh, uh, well. <laughs> we try. Uh, so now... um. Obviously, for you, you've you've started music a long time ago. Music has been your saving grace. How has, um, well, tell us a little bit about your musical journey because I know it began here in New York City. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd say, um, yeah, music was something that was always in my blood, but I didn't really know it was there. I didn't have any reference. I, I did not have a musical family. Yeah. So no one around me was making music or even collecting music. It just wasn't a musical house. Um, but when I was 15, I had seen a Joni Mitchell documentary, uh-huh. and I felt uh, instantly compelled to go write a poem, which then turned into a song. And then since then, it's just been like, endless writing.
1: You've been writing ever since. Um, now, you, um, one of your personal goals, um, which explains your, <laughs> as you say, your exodus uh, from New York City... To, wood, to the mountains of Woodstock um, you you were in search of uh, other artistic communities outside of the uh, modern day city where you felt art I guess all creative art has become replaced with commerce
2: yeah it sounds so negative right um, I think when, when, I, when I lived I left in 2012 and I just remember hitting a point where I realized you know just to even go rehearse at a studio, it was like $1,000. Yeah, sure. I just thought, this this is not... All about
1: the business, not about the art.
2: Yeah, I I couldn't find space, like literally physical space to be loud and spread my wings in. And so when I went to the mountains, I realized, oh my gosh, there's so much space, it's so affordable, and there's so many artists, so it felt like that was the community I was looking to grow in.
1: Got it. And and obviously you found that.
2: Oh yeah, I, I mean, I didn't realize how much of it I was going to find. I thought it was going to Got be you know, very selective, but it's just been a huge, ever-expanding community of... And not just, you know, you think it's like folk musicians in the mountains, but some incredible, like, avant-garde, just uh, uncategorizable um, musicians and, and studio owners and engineers and just incredible, incredible people.
1: Did you go uh, up there to Hudson Valley purposely for that, or did someone put it in your ear...
2: No, I didn't, actually. Um, so it was 2011, uh-huh. and my wife was so done living in the city. Yes. She had been there for 15 years, and she was just, like, ready to, l- to have a new experience. And but now, now you weren't like, married you know, yet at this time. Correct. I was yeah. not married yet. No, so my, my girlfriend at the time, I'll okay. yeah. And so we thought, well, let's go to New Paltz or Woodstock, just like get away <laughs> for the day. Cause really hot. <laughs> it was like 104 degrees in Brooklyn. We were so hot. And so we went to Woodstock. And we just had this incredibly synchronistic day. Like a psychic told us we were going to move there, and we became friends with her. And then this other woman gave us all this free lemonade. <laughs> and we found ourselves sitting, you know, nearly naked in like a creek and people just waving and saying, isn't it beautiful water down there? I thought, oh my God! I, I like I found heaven. I found like a slice of heaven, and so we thought, let's just move to Woodstock because California is too far. I love the city. I want to be close, uh, and we did. And then the music ended up blossoming from there because prior to that, I was a closet musician. I did not perform or even share music with anybody. It was very private,
1: personal. It's it's um, it's funny how it evolved from. You being so uh, secretive, I guess, about your music making to, uh, obviously, we come now to where you're you're most vulnerable.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a nice way to put it. It's it's becoming that. It's definitely becoming that.
1: So how do you feel, um, if at all, that you have grown or evolved, whether it's musically, personally, spiritually, since the release of your first album, Wholesome, in 2016 to now?
2: Oh, gosh, so much. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I don't where, where do we start. begin yeah where do we begin well it's interesting because Wholesome was not a personal album it was ah. very much about a celebration of nature after being in the city and it was just very it was more of a spiritual album You know, it was very Got old, it. Um, existential in a way and so I, I love just the the, the beauty of the, of the earth and I was really poetic about it in that record that's what it was really about but while I was making it, I was going through like my own rebirth. Um, I wouldn't say crisis, but just total identity shifts, um, self-realizations, really good therapy and hypnotism and shamanism, just different modalities to be yeah. to myself. And this record was a, a response or the result
1: of like four or five years of that. Yes, of 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 everything that you've, um, I guess as you like to say, you dive deep into discover about yourself. I feel like sometimes it's hard when we're living in the moment of life. Um, and obviously it's always, you know, we, it's always hindsight. Thanks, hindsight, that one day we're able to articulate it. But not in the moment. <laughs>
2: That's what's so beautiful about music for me. Because it, it's this medium, I guess we'll call it, or vessel, of being able to look back at a moment and self-realizing it and really understanding it.
1: So, um, by the way, um, from uh, wholesome, uh, I think Ladybug is the shunt Love that song. Um, So, so your wife uh, is it? Amen. 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 So, since then, uh, you've been married. I believe you're going to be married for five years. (laughs) Um, You also have uh, a daughter, Lyra. Your little meow. How has uh, being a husband and a father, how has that has that how has that influenced your craft in or in your musicianship?
2: Oh, so much. I mean, I, I would say being a father, I think, has been the most incredible thing. Like that, that was really the catalyst. And so, this record, I was you know started being written shortly after her birth. The the recent record, How a Strangers Made. But it's, it's so enormous because you see yourself as a child, so all your childhood stuff comes up. Yes. You see society in your child, so you get this... Well, right, get to be more
1: empathy. creative anyway, yes.
2: That's right, that's right. And I get this form of empathy just for all people because I understand, okay, we were all children. Some of us didn't have it as easy, some of us did. I understand how it developed. And so it's just life has become more clear for me. And myself, I've become more clear from being a father. It's been huge, as which is interesting because my whole life I resisted the concept of being a family person. I thought that would kill my art. Yeah, but it's actually fed it.
1: Nice. Okay. Well, right. I mean, I, I guess we're always—I wouldn't say afraid, but um, obviously we're apprehensive of of not of the uncertainty, right? And are you ever really ready? I mean, if are you ever really ready to be a parent until you are? I know one of you, uh, you said uh, that child raising is the most uh, intense melting of the ego.
2: Yeah, it really is.
1: Do really explain. Is. <laughs> do you have any children? I do not. I have helped to raise, um, I believe it's, I don't know, 16, who knows now, um, nieces and nephews.
2: You have a lot of experience in. It. it it's so ego melting in the way of that, that person doesn't the person being the little child, they don't care about your ego. That's the thing. It's like they don't care right. about your identity. They don't care who you how you look, what you're doing Labels you don't how matter, people. looks don't matter. And to be in the presence of another being that's so clear about just wanting safety and love. That's all yeah. they're wanting, you know, at this stage at least. There's something very tender about that I and mean, very mind-blowing so it it really evokes this tender vulnerability in me to open up so i can actually be that for her and i've never been called to do that in this way in my life so it's pretty profound
1: nice um so i want to go then obviously this is all leading up to how a stranger is made um uh, in the kingston times you did an interview um they call it the most powerful record of 2019 a lush Jazz and Feud, Changer Pop Poetry, uh yearningly bold new album. Uh, you had arranged, performed, and written, uh, and produced it. Uh, you recorded it at the Old Dutch Church um, in Kingston, New York, I believe, because uh, uh, particularly you were looking for a certain instrument, a certain sound, and they had it. <laughs> Got it. Um... So, so you had this idea. I know you were working on a song. Um, uh, I believe it was the Queen song. And um, before you, while you were working on the Queen song, you eventually ended up with 11 uh, songs uh, that incorporated all these instruments. The Wurlitzer, Celeste, the harpsichord organ, saxophones, drums. I know you said a uh, shaman percussion, um, just lots of vocals. How has the reception been so far? Yeah, um,
2: yeah. We had a, a really nice, you know, independent not international PR campaign. A lot of really great reviews. A lot of good sales. Spotify. Like, I, I, I essentially didn't have any followers. I never. I wasn't even on social media until I, eight months ago. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm very new to this world of exposing myself as a musician, like in a digital way. Yeah, and so it's really exciting just to see all these different people from around the world like writing in and and downloading and commenting and sharing. It's very beautiful. Yeah. So I would say really great reception from people.
1: I mean, and but you great
2: reception
1: But you you put so much into it. Was it that surprising for you yeah. to get it back, or you just you just never know? You don't have any expectations, right?
2: That's right. Yeah, you really don't know. It's so interesting. Being a musician, I guess it's like other art too. Being a musician is so interesting to me because you're so isolated in the process. Yeah. Of like a, you know, it's just you and your work. And then suddenly you're, you, take, you blink your eyes and you're like, oh my God, I have you know, like all these producers. <laughs> it's out there. All yeah. <laughs> and so it's, you just don't imagine that. It. It's so amazing.
1: Yeah. I, I definitely want to talk more about the process of making this album. But first, um, I want to, um, let's play a song. We'll play a song for our listeners and then we'll talk about that. Um, and then we will be right back. You guys are listening to the Junkie Jim Hour right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. I am joined on the phone uh, by musician, writer, pianist, composer, Luis Mojica. And this is um, City Friends. Mm-hmm.
0: City, a small deer drops down. It seems they made a suburb of our wild old town. I think of all the friends who've left and those who've stayed to taste the mountain air dirt in their own grease. When your friends turn into ghosts and then they haunt you, when your friends become possessed and then they want to. Pick up residence inside of your chest, don't you? It's the only way they say they know how to love you Maybe it's the the only way way they ever tried to
3: I don't do dropped
0: in like mountain mist on a fern's wet tear I looked for the proof from words and songs that brought me here I found train stations, renovations, and broken trees I knelt down to pray before eviction eulogies While the best minds of my generation got lost And blinded by the sleek designs of the loan sharks Whose plastic fins never did circle in my heart because I know imitation from sincere heart When your city turns to gold and it won't hold you When the land you love the most overthrows you And all your sacred words and dreams become exposed to from spoiled fiends you claim to love your heart and soul Then turned your authenticity into style You know it's bad when tourists dress like native gods And you have a hard time telling both of them apart Because it's just too easy to look up and steal the part And trick yourself into the template of that heart until your shell rusts over from the stolen sparks.
1: That was City Friends by Lewis Mowhiga. Thank you so very much for sharing that, Louis. Are We still on the phone. I know you said uh, you wrote City Friends. You were walking in the East Village one day. You noticed uh, the St. Mark's Bookstore uh, had just closed. Um, One of your favorite trees had just come down. All around you, everything was changing very rapidly, as it has been in New York City for the last two decades. Um, You felt, I guess, a sense of loss, a sense of sadness. And this song, um, as you described, became a container for you to pour your feelings into and what your experience was. And just a, a whole bunch of feelings, whether it's friendships, um, relationships, identity, um, just things that you've known about the environment around you. Um, do you feel? Do you feel other people um, get that from it? I mean, obviously, it's art; it can be interpreted in any way.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I'm always very curious from it <laughs> I think um <laughs> I, I leave it I leave a little room to wonder you know for each person's mind yes I know for me I just the fact that it's called city friends it sounds like you know a lot of a betrayal um because it talks about friends and talks about it, I think it talks about friends betraying you and lying to you and being you know um, manipulative and that was how it felt when I was walking around the city I just felt so I was so sad and so angry that I I just felt like um, everything I loved about this city, the city—the only reason I was there—you know—was vanishing. Yeah. And it did lead to all these other venues. Of like, well, where else have I felt this kind of loss? And so each line was almost like a different
1: experience. Yeah. It, it's uh, um, one of my favorite lines. Y- you know, it's bad when natives dress like gods.
2: <laughs> when tourists dress like yeah. native gods. Yeah.
1: Now, now. Um, I mean, because everybody comes from, you know, different places. New York City is, you know, I guess it literally is. It still is the melting pot. Um, One of the melting pots in the States. Um, Do you feel like New York City for you then just became a novelty?
2: You know, I, I did. I started noticing I was spending all my time just in my apartment. Yeah. Out. I wasn't part of the culture, I wasn't making friends. <laughs> I realized, Oh, I'm isolating myself. <laughs> like why why am I spending so much money to isolate myself? Yeah. You know, I'll just move to the mountains. So yeah, absolutely.
1: Um I get
2: inspired by it though. When I go down now, I, I have this it's almost like dancing. Like just walking through the streets, I get inspired by all the energy. Yeah. And I take that inspiration and I make all this art of Yeah.
1: Now but now you, you said about about this feeling, I guess, even New York City, if, if we look at it as a whole, is the could be the friend that betrayed you and suddenly Absolutely. became something different.
2: You got it. It um,
1: is how it felt.
2: it felt. like being betrayed by a friend. Like, oh, you were my friend, now you're changing. Yeah,
1: yourself. I don't know you anymore. Right. Um, you don't know your neighbors anymore. Um, but you said you were grateful because it forced you to grow and transform.
2: Sounds airy fairy, but I have a very practical belief that everything truly is here for me. So, the most horrible, heinous thing, and the most incredible thing—it's all here to support me in some way. I just want to witness moment. And that—that that was one of those moments. that was really here to push me into a whole new experience. Yeah. So I can't even be upset about it anymore. When I wrote that, I was upset about it.
1: Um. And, and, of course, it, it just uh, manifested into a great song. So now, um, going back um, to How a Stranger is Made, uh, you were joined on the album um, by um, just top producers, David Barron, uh, Simone Felice, uh, mixed by Grammy Award winner Justin Gwip, I believe. Yep. Award-winning vocalist and composer... Uh, Frido Viola. Um, Viola? Yep. And um, now when we talk about collaboration, it's not always easy. How did you end up assembling a team that you felt could not only, I guess, bolster your music, uh, but also that you could entrust to help you execute your vision?
2: That's, you know, the second part is really, that's the key in trust. Yeah. Because everyone has their own idea of what, you know, song. Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. So I really wanted someone that was humble and didn't have much of an ego that was just really curious with me and we could kind of... Explore. Together start, right? Yeah. So it was it was really beautiful. Queen Song was the first that came to me and I had it as a demo. And I sent yeah. the demo to Simone Felice and David Barron. Um, right after I had seen the music video for Bat for Lashes, um, it was this band I love from, from England... They came out with a song called In God's House. It was so gorgeous and dark and just beautiful. And I looked up who produced it, and it was Simone and David, who are local producers. So I just wrote to them. I was very human. I said, I love the song you produced. Here's my demo. I would love to know if you produce this song for me. Yeah. And they wrote back. And they were like, we love it. You know, come, come right away. I <laughs> so love it that. It was like perfect. So we had, a, we did it in two days, and then from there, the album.
1: Really incredible. Um right. So so that that's very uh I guess it's a courageous thing not to not just to put your work out there, but you know now you're putting it out there for people you admire to listen to and get some feedback from and hopefully you know they can you you know you know you want to work with them because you're being very specific about what you want which i guess is the first battle you have to get through is is knowing exactly what you want or maybe you don't but you know who you want to collaborate with
2: no you're right i have i have a very clear vision
1: yeah and and then getting that you know yes back cuz usually you we have to go through a lot of no's but i love how um I know in in, in acting in, in other fields, they call it is understanding the world so if you if you feel like you can understand and live in that world, um that's all you have to do is just make the director see that you belong in that world, you understand that world that they're trying to build or that story they're trying to tell, and it's really just about convincing them that 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 you can all work together to make this story happen. I love that um.
3: Love
1: that idea. So you um well it's just something I just learned. Um So now your songs obviously very personal. Um the the this specific record follows your journey as you say where you learned how to transform your unresolved pain um into bliss and freedom. Now when you say unresolved pain, was this is what you were going to therapy for?
2: Oh yeah. Even things when I say unresolved, I even mean in that in that
1: word unconscious.
2: Got it. You know, what am I carrying around? I don't even know I'm carrying. Sure.
1: And 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 did a lot of the music making and the producing. Um, I guess uncover more for you.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, as I as I make uh, when I'm making songs, especially when I'm making a record, the song part when i'm just writing it that's when i'm self-realizing getting in touch with these unconscious things but the actual production like you're saying like reaching out to people yes getting yeses or nos all that that's the most triggering part of this journey is like will they like me <laughs> you know like sure. in the highlighted words uh and so, so much gets brought up you know from my past and that's the unresolved stuff and this record really helped me work through that and, I actually believe that's why I was able to find these great producers. I was so I was clear in a way I never had them before, you know, yeah. psychologically and emotionally.
1: Um, so in terms of success in the music industry, at least by the music industry standards, um, obviously, you know, you have music that follows a pattern or formulaic expressions. Um. Whether it fits into a specific mold or not, obviously for you, it was just all about being completely vulnerable and letting that dictate your songwriting. So I guess for you, it was, yes, you worry about someone or, or being receptive to it, especially if you want to work with them and being produ- producing. But obviously, at the end of the day, you have to be happy with your work. Uh, how do you decide then what to share? What is too much? What is too little?
2: great question I, I think i'm getting more music's a slow process for me you know like this whole record was a four or five year process it needs to bake moment <laughs> moment. yeah right to being done so it's a long road uh, and in that long road i it's like i'm already ready to make the next one because now it's like <laughs> i feel even more courageous but I, I, of course I think as long as it's authentic i want to share it whether it's really personal or seemingly surface i don't know if that answers your question
1: yeah i'm feels. I mean, obviously, it's for it's. At the end of the day, it it goes both ways, right? We want our creation to be for us, but at the same time, how do we make it universal for other peoples to to other people to understand, to gravitate to, or to touch someone? Um, And then also understanding, well, maybe it's not for everyone.
2: (laughs) That's where I'm at now. Yeah, (laughs) that's exactly. When I was younger, I really wanted my music to be. Widely recognized. Yeah. And this is speaking as a closet musician. That's how delusional I was. I'm like, I want everyone to know me, but I don't want to share it. Yeah. And so it was hard for me to, to, took years, like a decade, to get to the place of I don't actually care if anyone likes it. I have to like it first, and then I'm interested in who follows
1: and finds me. Yeah. Would you, um, well, first of all, let me ask this Do you feel good music can be made without wearing your heart on the sleeve? I do. It can be.
2: Yeah, I think I think if it's again, it comes down
1: to authentic. Cause I think of all Got my it. favorite music,
2: uh, musicians, and they're so varied. I mean, it's like yeah. TLC and Nina Hagen. You know, it's like a huge spectrum. Yeah, and they're all authentic, and that's what makes it so powerful for me.
1: Yeah. So, so at the end of the day, um when you talk about everything ended up being the business and not just the art, and you needed to find some inspiration, you needed to get away. Obviously you wouldn't be adverse to commercial success. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh no, no, I'm I'm definitely not someone that would rebel against being uh, received, put it that way. I would rebel against manipulating
1: people. Yes, okay. I'm not interested Got
2: it. in marketing, it's very hard
1: for me yeah. to do that. But I'm not I'm That's not stripping away the authentic message
2: and, right. and trying
1: to repackage it.
2: That's right. If someone if I'm widely received because of what I believe. Them, and it's just my truth, that is beautiful. But I don't want to force people to receive me.
1: Now, in talking about how a stranger is made, was made, <laughs> you <laughs> initially right. needed $5,000 to record, mix, press, and record. Um, I believe you started fundraising for it in October 2018. Less than a month, you reached that goal. How overwhelming or exciting was it for you to receive such, t- such support? You know, you had... Not now you now you had producers in line, but now you had backers who believed in your project as much as you did.
2: It was amazing because um, I said to myself, based on making this goal happen or not, I'll, I'll that's how deep I'll go into making this record. Yeah. You know, it would either be a home recording, very simple, or I'd really give it my all. And so when I had people who really believed right. in it and the money came in, I thought, wow, this is great. It's like having a record label behind me. To so have felt a, a lot of confidence and, and support for sure.
1: Okay, well, we, um, well, and rightfully so, and we are actually going to play um, another song from How a Stranger is Made. This is Moon Men. You guys are listening to the Junkie Jamal right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, this is, again, Louis Mojica uh, with Moon Men. Oh, no.
3: You you, you, know. you,
0: you. And I went to the park hand in hand. Flannel fairy dance, two young men. Disturbed and obsessed with the rise in the population. Strictly platonic, you saved my chest, and my heart crawled when you caught. You made telephone rings grow butterfly wings inside of me. You, oh, 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 oh. oh. Well I hated you At first sight To some gypsy boy Dressed in white To some Midwest closet Queer lost in New York City So you Enraptured me In your way Of being free Some silly You were the healer of men With the same old strange disease Then you found the boy inside my adult shell you saved him from the hell of gender spells you held him in your arms and kissed his long eyelashes you caught him a moon man and his frozen heart melted Preed on our energies Not hawks, Not hawks lost souls Do fade the to prey on our chuckled feet? On the poor old restless fiends of the charcoal streets It's no wonder why you adored every stranger And when they became too familiar You'd find your way onto a fire escape In a room without windows or doors And just like that our time was over No more spooning in the clovers My horses sensed your demons far too soon My own bride of all Lord, people in Because she's one of the few shaman Who knows how to love men who come from the moon. kissing like brothers We fell for the same woman, but she was already my lover
1: You guys are listening to the Jockey Jam Hour uh, right here on Radio for Brooklyn. That is Louis Mohica. That was Moon Men. <laughs> You still with us, sir? Uh. Yes, I am. <laughs> you better be. Um, we're not going to let you off that easy. So now, um, love that song. Um, let's talk about some of the lyrics. Uh, I hated you at first sight. Just some gypsy boy dressed in white. A Midwest closet queen. Queer. Um, excuse me, sorry. <laughs> closet queer. Lost in New York City. Um, who showed, I'm assuming it's it's your own personal story about this gentleman. Oh, yeah. You found him to be the healer of men um, who helped you find the boy inside of your adult shell, saving you from uh, the hell of gender spells. You called him Moon Man and his frozen... Um, he called you Moon Man and your frozen heart melted. Who is this person that helped you become the man you are today?
2: <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Is this is this gypsy, this guy, just like walked literally walked into my life one day and he yeah. just walked right up to me and started saying the most strange, inappropriate things. Okay. And but but like the things you would say to a best friend, but because I didn't know who he was and you didn't have a
1: relationship yet, yeah.
2: My nose—it was—it just felt so invasive. And leading up into that point, I did not have relationships with men. Yeah. My relationships with men and of uh, being a man were always very strained and confused. Sure. Uh, confusing. So he was just this like beacon of light. As I got to know him, he was so full of love and just acceptance, and he was so joyful and so strange, also very troubled. But sure. he had this way of just the lyric says like evoking that boy in me like prepubescent and so we would hold hands we would kiss we would like cuddle in the park and it was so beautiful it was like it was it was not a sexual experience it just was it just was and i just had so much fun with him it was like one month out of my life
1: so what wow one month and that that completely changed oh but that completely opened something inside of you It's okay to have relationships to some degree, to any degree of your choosing, actually. You still have a choice with men, just as you would with women. It doesn't have to be sexual. It can be platonic. It can be anything you want. Uh, But that doesn't necessarily mean you have to put a label on it.
2: That's what was so healing about it. It was, um, you know, there was a book I had read uh, two years before that called The Man Who Fell in Love with...
1: Yeah, you made a whole album off of that as well. <laughs> I wrote, yeah,
2: that, that book changed my life, and so that you know I'm I'm openly a bisexual man. So to me, when I read that book, it, there was so much about me in there. Yeah. And then when I met this man, he was the Moon Man. You know, he yeah. felt like, oh, that's what a Moon Man's like. And so I found someone that matched me in that way. Got it. Got it. Um, and it's it's strange as a man because and I I learned. This more and more as a therapist, and just from other men I, I speak to, they confide in me how there's this urge to be very intimate with other men and physically affectionate, gay and straight men.
1: Sure. But it's not well, a sexual urge. It's not it's not everyone is. Yeah, right. Not everyone is sharing locker room banter. Not everyone plays sports. Not everyone is in the. Right. Um. In intimate spaces with other men to get to know each other, you know, once you become a man and you start your family, everyone's off, (laughs) off to their own whatever, and their own ideals, and I guess in their Uh, own little bubbles, and, you know, not everyone has that opportunity.
2: That's right. And this this gypsy, (laughs) (laughs) he was not interested in those titles. He had no shame. Yes. And it just gave me permission to like love men the way I always
1: wanted to. Yeah, and why not? Um Beautiful. now obviously sexuality, male identity is a big theme in all of your work, in particular this album. Um maybe you could help me understand this because you I don't necessarily understand it in terms of how you mentioned it, because I did some digging. <laughs> Um, intersex individuals are born with any, um, of several variations, uh, in sex characteristics, characteristics, including chromosomes, gonads, sex hormones, or genitals. What is your intersex story or what is your affiliation?
2: Yep. My affiliation intersex, I was born with excess female hormones. Got it. And so between, I think, ages eight and nine to ages 13. I developed breasts and wow. big, you know, hips in in comparison to you know average men. Sure, um, male genitals normal. The but the my chest and my hips were so different, and my mind was so different. You
1: know, I, yeah, there wasn't
2: there wasn't the word intersex in the '90s, like in Pennsylvania, and that's I grew up in Pennsylvania, and so there weren't these words.
1: We didn't even have um, spectrum yet.
2: <laughs> no, we had nothing. Yeah. So Everyone thought it was baby fat, and they would say, "Oh, it's baby fat. It will go away when he hits puberty." And I hit puberty, and it got bigger, and I was like, "Oh my God, I can't! Um, I can't tell anybody." So, you know, I just my body, everything shut down and went into hiding, yeah. and I just didn't uh, express it because I, I had dealt with a lot of. Assault and bullying, yeah. and trauma and body shame around just my body because no one knew what to do with it either, yeah. Uh, but that's so that's my affiliation with it.
1: And some of it was um, self-inflicted.
2: Oh, completely. Yeah, completely. I, I would say the most painful of it was self-inflicted. Yeah, because the belief I carried about myself for so long was so um, degrading and deep that no one could talk me out of it.
1: It's 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 so interesting how. I, I feel hopeful because I feel like the children of today are being taught now that anything different about them is actually the special, what makes them special, and not what makes them a monster. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: I agree. You know, I was really lucky because I have, I have, and I had a very powerfully unconditional, loving mother. Yeah. So through my whole journey, she didn't know what was going on with my body either. She was just like, You're beautiful. Like, there was never any. Yeah. Her. It was more for my peers and the outside world. But, um, yeah, I feel this. Th- I get so excited when I see these kids who, I mean, like, my daughter's four or five year old male little boyfriend, they, like, wear dresses to school. Yeah. I mean, I would have got the shit kicked out of <laughs>
3: Sure. <laughs> so yeah. It's,
2: it's really healing just to watch them be who they want to be without any, uh,. Um, that
1: is, and okay. that doesn't necessarily they're going to be wearing oh well who cares now I mean fashion has already evolved and it's That's getting right. there more it might not be mainstream but it has evolved at least fashion wise so even Barbies have evolved um, Barbies, yep. <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> now um, one of your posts in talking about the success of your music 79% of your listeners on Spotify are men to which you stated Men uh, who are your age are taking the time to listen to um, this specific record, which is about self-realization, um, male identity, and, and, and obviously that has to do with other relationships with one another. Um, you said, no offense to women or those in between, you don't require the same self-realization as we men do. Explain, please. <laughs>
2: What a statement! You know, I have no authority on this, but I do believe, and I, some of me, some of me believe this just from being intersex, from having so many female hormones. Sure. Come, there's just this very natural inward expression when you're a female or you have a lot of estrogen. You just go inside very naturally, and if you think biologically, you know, you develop inside too when you're you know, a biological female. Yeah. So there's already this like natural introspection, whereas testosterone and I, a lot of my trans friends, uh, male to female, female to male, they experience this. It's amazing. It's like the moment testosterone starts coming in, mm. there's this instant outward expression. It becomes more aggressive, more yeah. bolstering, louder. And it's just a beautiful hormonal thing. It's no one's, you know, problem. It's not a behavior. It's really hormonally driven. So when I wrote that, I was thinking, you know, men just naturally, societally, and hormonally don't really have the invitation to go inside very often.
1: Yeah. You're um, being too soft. Cold. You're being too sensitive. You're being... That's se- right. Yeah, just sensitive. Right. Stop being that's so that's sensitive. Right. Get over it.
2: Get over it. And, you know, women write the songs about crying and losing people. Men write the songs about, like, you know, having sex and beating yeah. people up. Sure. So when I saw that on Spotify, I was so shocked because I always have predominantly female listeners. I thought, wow, the fact that eighty percent of these listeners—and now there's like twenty-three hundred listeners—yeah, so eighty percent of them are men, and they're listening to Moon Men, like songs like that. I just thought it was incredible. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, well, that's amazing. Obviously, that—that's then your goal. Pretty much, it's starting right. to um, come to life. I agree. Um, I agree
2: because it really—it was about connecting with men in a way I didn't know how to.
1: Right. Right, and there, and there, and 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 I didn't think of I didn't think of it that way as well. Obviously, you're talking about relearning or learning and discovering your connection with other men. But now here it is, men listening to that, that's right, and taking it in. Um, yeah. now another big theme is spirituality. I know for you, you pr- you're uh, a practitioner of shamanism. I'm not. Oh, you're not.
2: I I I do I do receive a lot of shamanic healing that's probably what you're reading but I don't got it I, I'm a therapist actually a trauma therapist
1: Oh okay So so how okay so as a trauma therapist how do you Cuz you know you have a family at home um you have your creative arts um and now you are taking on this whole other responsibility of helping others to heal um in in ways that you know you're the person that they go to um they see you as an authority on who knows what to do in terms of how to heal them through whatever that trauma is um how do you let that go how do you leave that wherever that office is, go home and, and not bring uh, that back with you into your art or to your home?
2: You know, that was the hardest thing when I first began working in this field. Right now, it, it's like a, it's literally a second-by-second second thing. So it's what I mean by that is when I'm with them, I'm constantly reminding myself that I'm not the authority and I'm not responsible. Got it. I'm just here holding space and they're actually responsible. Oh, okay. And that was like a total flip for me because I used to think I was, and I had no boundaries. They could text me, call me. I was constantly on my email. But I learned by getting burnt out, <laughs> which is like the best, yeah. You know how to create that, um, and when it comes to music, it's it's informed my music. The empathy I have from hearing so many different stories, music I get to go deeper now in my songwriting.
1: Yeah, well, and speaking of because sometimes you you know people don't always understand what those traumas, uh, how they um, show or reveal themselves later on in life. And, you know, we're not always understanding of each other, especially maybe in families. We don't always uh, understand each other's stories. Sometimes we vilify each other. We exclude each other. We dismiss each other. Um, and even others of other in other communities. Um how does then the gift of music how does your music contribute to the healing of the world or up to others
2: (laughs) um well it's it's a good question i think it starts with me when i'm when i'm making the music yeah i'm becoming more again more self-realized i'm more aware of a person by the end of a song or a record and just that awareness in myself changes my world and how I see people and deal with them. So it makes me a kinder person, more open person, uh, and a more loving person. And then I, 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 my hope or my my curiosity is how many people will sit with these songs or these records and feel something or learn something about themselves. Yeah, to me that's, that's such a great idea. I love for that to happen.
1: I love that. And now you are actually uh, preparing. Uh, you are starting a new tour this week. Uh, how a stranger is made tour. Yep. Uh, um, obviously, touring you have to let go of control, right? Because the performances are going to be what they're going to be, um, regardless if you practice. Obviously, you practice, you rehearse. Um, do you ever feel ready, or do you just give in to the moment when you're on tour of whatever that performance is going to be?
2: I uh, I can say that <clears throat> right now in my life, I'm into giving into the moment. Yes, touring has been the hardest part for. Um, this whole music—I don't even call it a career, but just being a musician. Yes. It's, it's such a strange part of the of the process to me, taking the songs onto a stage. I have this amazing drummer now. Uh, his name's Evan Adams. He's a dear friend too, and he's changed a lot for me because he's so lyrical in his playing, and there's such a support from him. I used to be solo, to so perform alone or with my yeah. other friend, who's a saxophone player. Having the drummer really balanced, oh, and and we're really tight, so I feel like but, there's a support now that I didn't have before. Yeah, um, yeah. So I feel very open to it.
1: Um, well, that's great because obviously, when and, and and that's the other thing, you know, when you find you found your producers, but now you found another musician who can not just speak uh, the language of your music, but can um, bolster it, can add to it. That's right can influence, and you both can influence each other. Um, now, I know you just had a tour in the fall. What makes this one so different?
2: What makes this one different is I have a booking agent now. I've been booking myself for the last five years, and now I've been signed to a roster, and, and this guy's great. and He has you know, a lot of fantastic clubs all over the country. So I get to play at venues I've never played before, um, right. which is very exciting usually it's gas money <laughs> nothing <else. laughs> that's <But> it that's
1: <laughs> all you get just get here we'll help we'll pay for your trip
2: that's right but what's exciting about it is his job is he he puts together this evening based on my, my music so he finds other supporting acts so it brings a whole new audience to me it's not just my audience I've never had that experience before Yeah. so I'm excited for that
1: Oh, well, good. It's very exciting. I know uh, this week you're at the Gold Sounds, uh, uh, Wednesday, January 8th, 8 p.m., right here uh, in Brooklyn. Yeah, then, I'm excited for that. Then you head out to Connecticut on January 9th at the Cellar on Treadwell. Um, and, and then you just go on all the way into February. Um, where are um, everywhere from Vermont, Maryland, um, and New Jersey as well. Um, obviously, we can find out more information about you at lewismohica.com.
2: Yeah, but it's actually the
1: first name is Luis. I'm sorry.
2: The first name is pronounced Luis.
1: Luis. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> Luis. This whole time, time. you could have corrected me, Luis. <laughs> I did. And you didn't hear me as so well. Ah, I didn't. my <laughs> apologies. <laughs> apologies. It. Names are very important. Totally fine with me. Names yeah, are yeah. very important, it's so fine. you can find out more information about Luis Luis's music at Luis Mojica com. You're on Instagram, Music. Facebook, Luis Mojica Music, uh, the same for Twitter. All your music is on Spotify, Bandcamp, Apple Music, and YouTube. For everything we do here, you guys can uh, find out about what we do here at Radio Free Brooklyn. And uh, for everything I do, com. Luis, thank you so very much for uh, taking your time to share your insight about your journey and, of course, your music. Uh, lots of fun. We are going to leave you guys um, with a, another song uh, called De La Saint. Uh, and this is from How a Stranger is Made by Luis Mojica.
0: Talking, even walking in his sleep It can be disturbing to say the least Nothing prophetic, just pathetic Moans and groans Grating his tongue on some cosmic vibrating telephone Dancing the limbo under the white sheets beneath the moon His lamella beat her one But soon must be pursued I swallowed down my pride in his kept my mouth shut <laughs> Blessed amnesia pours anesthesia into the cut Day of the of the He had sing deep and eyes me he made known Souls can get lost even in the safety of their own homes my soul did flee from the my invaded temple Till the shaman called it back in mending up my soul Well his spirit crap was now just an empty bag of bones I called in the great angel of rain to bless my new home She said, if you want me, come and lock me on your own You open up your wide, you let me deep inside But when the sky explodes to your caving mouth Of rain-soaked oh, rainbow oh, grouse We baptized, your baptized. Crowd, from your crown From your quake out to your house And then I pissed out all his sins And blew my kiss into the wind Know until you know how good it feels to have your innocence revealed. Cause the spirit crept in my bows and breasts over the years until I was mad, all soaking wet in her rainbow tears. So if someone steals, you light away, call on the saint of rain, she's there to dress your naked pain. Then I hear myself shout, let the rainbow out, and as my lips touched gods, she threw down lightning rods The lasting day of the la day of the last. Day of the la. Day la, of the la. Day of the la. Day of the of the of the la.